Hey friends, thank you for joining us today. This is episode one of the Barrington Area Banter Podcast, produced by Anthony Lackis and recorded at Grey Wolf Records, located in the Ice House Mall in downtown Barrington. I'm your host, Jennifer Fallett, and I'm a portrait photographer based here in Barrington. I've lived here for almost 25 years, and the Fallett name has been in Barrington since the 50s when my husband's family moved here. I'm excited to collaborate on this podcast featuring local residents and business owners. I've been meeting and interviewing local businessmen and women from my blog. Anthony was one of the fine folks I interviewed, and we hit it off well. He later reached out to me about an idea he had. He told me he was enjoying the interviews I've been conducting and asked if I would consider hosting a podcast that he would produce. We both agreed that keeping the theme local, similar to my blog, would be a fun and informative service that we could offer the community. That said, I thought that our first guest should be someone that is well-known in the Barrington area and has roots here as well. I am honored that Darby Hills has agreed to join us in the studio today. Darby serves as president of the Barrington Children's Charities, a wonderful organization that works to fulfill the essential needs of children in District 220. She's on the board of managers of the Service Club of Chicago, which is the oldest women's charitable organization in Chicago. Darby is also a certified mediator and arbitrator, as well as an attorney. And she is a recipient of the Barrington Area Chamber of Commerce Outstanding Women's Leaders Award. She's also a wife and mother and is very active with the PTO in each of her children's school. Welcome, Darby, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I am too. Uh, congratulations on your OWL Award. Thank you. Thank you. That was uh, quite a surprise, and I was just so honored to receive that and be in the company of such amazing women doing so much for the community. Yeah, well, it's great to be recognized, and it's great to be able to do that work and and have a recognition from it. Absolutely. Okay. So I appreciate that you can make room in your very busy schedule. I imagine the holidays are a little quieter this year than they, in years past. They are. They are. Uh, we're still trying to get together with family, you know, social distancing and whatnot, but it definitely will be a different a different holiday this year. Yeah. Do you have any um, special gifts on your wish list that your husband and you are exchanging? Or? You know, we really, it's a, kind of all about the kids. We really put our efforts into the kids for Christmas and uh, and the family. So no, just being together really is uh, is what's important for us. Well, that's good. Uh, so going back to your introduction, it appears that you probably own a cape with a big W on it <laughs> as part of your wardrobe. How do you make time to fit so much in? Oh, I do my best. I'll tell you, I probably look a little frazzled most of the time, but um, I just really try to juggle uh you know, my priorities of, of raising my kids. Um, I have a 15-year-old daughter, uh, a just 12-year-old son, and then a 10-year-old son. And so they are certainly my priorities along with my husband. But um, I, you know, I'm trying to make sure I can uh, service the community and make sure that we are helping all the kids in need through our Blessings in a Backpack, now called uh, Packs of Plenty Pop Program, where we are feeding uh, over 800 kids a week. Wow. That's wonderful. How did it get started? So, uh, so when my husband and I moved to Barrington to start our family, um, we looked to get involved in the community and see what needs were uh, being unmet. And we found that there were so many great charities in Barrington, but there wasn't one specifically focused on providing the essential needs to children. So I looked to my husband and I said, I want to get involved, but I, I haven't found quite the the organization, and, and he said, you know, laughing, oh, why don't you just start one? Well, <laughs> easier said than done, but uh, it's been over a decade since we started Barrington Children's Charities. We uh, rolled it out. Um, we had the idea in 2019, and in uh, 2010, we started it, 501c3 non-for-profit, 
And uh, we started with uh, several strategic initiatives, but we started first with uh, child hunger. And so we, start, we started with our um, program, which we called Blessings in a Backpack at the time. Um, and we've since moved into uh, branding it our own program, and it's Packs and Plenty. Okay, so was Blessings in a Backpack something that was already national? It was a national organization, so we paired with them so that we could have the food distribution uh, relationship so we could get the food at cost. But there was some fees associated with it. So as we grew and we got our own relationships with food distributors and we worked with the school district, we were able to brand our own program. And um, it's our own proprietary program. And uh, like I said, we're feeding over 800 children a week uh, in our Barrington School District. Well, that's wonderful. And having it on your own must make it a lot easier, too, without having to follow someone else's protocols. You can design them yourself. Absolutely. And we really couldn't do it without all the volunteers that come and pack every single, well, it used to be every single week, but since COVID, we're now packing once a month and then working with the school district to get those bags distributed to the kids in need every single week on the school buses. Wow. How many volunteers do you have that pack? So normally in normal times, we'd have about 40 volunteers a week, but since it, with COVID, we have to keep it socially distanced and keep it safe and all the volunteers are in mass. So now we have 25 volunteers that pack. And and usually uh, for a month, we pack 2,600 bags. So it's it's quite a task when we're all there in an assembly line fashion packing. It sounds like it. Where do you do the packing? So because we can't go into the schools right now because of COVID, uh, one of our board members, Jessica Hoffman, has uh, offered their business space, Moretti's unique, unique event space in Hoffman Estates to pack. And we were able to spread out and open all the windows and we're able to store the food there until the school district can come and pick it up. Oh, that's wonderful. So with the volunteer um, number reduced, do you find that you're lacking, vol- do, you, do you find that you have enough volunteers since you have less people needed now? Do you have a waiting list? How's that working? So we have a sign up genius and you can find it on our website at barringtonchildrenscharities.com and you can sign up for a time slot. There's even a setup spot is if you don't feel comfortable maybe being there with the larger group the setup is about 10 people but uh we usually we filled it every every time and you know we sometimes lose a few you know shortly before the event but we do have alternates that ask to have us contact them so we've been so fortunate to have all these wonderful community members that come out and pack we really couldn't do it without them that's wonderful. Um, what is it? How long is a session of packing food, and what are the age ranges of volunteers? So uh, normally, uh, like I said, pre-COVID, it would really be done in about an hour because we have so many volunteers and we only pack for the week. But now it really runs from about 8 a.m. to about 1 p.m., and the volunteers are from all over, not just even the Barrington community. They're from all surrounding communities. They're men and women. They are church leaders, they're people that are working from home and able to pop over on their lunch hour, their moms, their dads. It's, so it's it's a really a, a great group of volunteers. Unfortunately, we don't have anyone under the age of 18. We've had a lot of teens that wanted to come and volunteer, but just to be safe, we've asked that they be 18 and older. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I, I think what you're doing with the food is so helpful with even taking stress off the families. Um, no one wants to be hungry. And when a family has to stretch their budget to make sure they can fulfill all their needs, having kids that want 
just they're basic, just are hungry, and they don't have something extra to offer them because, you know, all kids eat between meals, right? Absolutely. And some kids don't even have probably much of a meal depending, you know, on their situation. Absolutely. We've we've had uh, individuals that have parents that have not eaten themselves in order to save food for their kids. So it's 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 really important what we're doing, and we know firsthand from the families that it's really making a, a big impact. And we, we also, when the pandemic started, uh, we had to really pivot and work with the school district to make sure that this program didn't stop because the fact that kids weren't in school and, you know, we didn't want them to not have the food. So Barrington District 220 has been wonderful. We worked with the, the administrators and the superintendent and the board members, and we've been able to keep this program going since the pandemic happened. And we increased the food by about tripled in the very beginning because we were feeding 1,500 families versus 800 children a week because the need was so great. And we also carried the program through the summer, which we've never done before. So it definitely has taken a financial toll on us, but we run a very financially prudent charity and we are all volunteers, so we don't have all those expenses. So we really put all the monies into helping children in need. That's wonderful. Have you noticed that donations have gone down since COVID started? You know, actually, donations have been pretty steady. We have such a great community that have given to the charity throughout even the pandemic and even through we just had our uh, virtual fundraising. We normally have a holly ball the second Saturday in December, a gala. And this was the first year that we didn't have it. And it was our 10th anniversary. So it was supposed to be a big big celebration. But we did a virtual campaign. We did 10 days of volleyball and we fundraised and it actually was quite successful. So we are just so appreciative. So it allows us to continue with our programming and make sure that we don't have to send any child home hungry over the weekends. Yeah, that's great. If people want to make a donation, they can go to the website? Absolutely. At uh, BarringtonChildrenCherries.com, we have a donate button. We also have our link for volunteering as well. Okay, wonderful. So you mentioned the Holly Ball. I had um, I had read online that that had to be virtual this year, which disappointing, but yeah. hopefully still was successful. Absolutely. It, like I said, our community is absolutely amazing, and how generous everybody is. So it it was a successful Holly Ball. We look forward to gathering in person on the eleventh anniversary. Well, there you go. You know, um, you mentioned Barrington. People are really generous out here. I find, and there's always it seems a fundraiser or something going on to help the community and to help people in need. Absolutely. And, you know, we have a lot of people that live out here that do a lot of um, philanthropy. And, you know, we have the, the person who they swim for, for this organization and they raise money for this. And like, there's so much going on that I, I can't even name who, who they are and what they're doing. But Absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful community to grow up in for my children and, and for, my, for us to raise our kids in. Yeah, for sure. Um, aside from the Holly Ball, are there other fundraisers that you um, participate in for? So we used to have, since we began the charity, we used to have two fundraisers. We had a Kentucky Derby party in May, and we had the Holly Ball in December. This was the first year that we didn't have our or our uh, Kentucky Derby party as well, as it became, even without COVID, it, it became quite cumbers- cumbersome to uh, have to run two different fundraisers a year as all volunteers. So we just now are just doing our Holly Ball annually. And then we also, because of our POP program, Packs of Plenty, we actually had a group of ladies in South Barrington that threw the very first POP party, pop-up party. And uh, all the funds went to our POP program. 
So that was very successful. They, the ladies raised $25,000. It was just an evening, uh, socially distanced, and it was uh, very successful. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, as a mother of three, you probably have a good handle on some of the other issues that are facing children today. Mm-hmm. What do you think some of those issues are, particularly issues that cross all demographics? So along the lines of what I've been talking about, I, I would start with poverty. You know, a lot of people think that Barrington is a very affluent area, doesn't have any poverty. There aren't kids that are going hungry. And actually 19% of the population in school district, Barrington School District 220, are living below the poverty level. And these are the recipients of a lot of our services. So poverty, no matter where you're living, exists and needs to be addressed. Um, Being a mom of three and having kids e-learning and um, everything that's going on right now, I would say stress is certainly a huge, a huge uh, issue facing the youth today, no matter where you're living. And I think that ties in with mental health. And I know there's a lot of kids, we we see it too with our programming, because we also um, have an initiative for mental health. There's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of depression and and things related to pressures and e-learning and everything else going on right now. So that's a huge issue as well. And um, I think it also ties into social media and the pressures that go on with social media and the pursuit of perfection that really isn't isn't perfection. It's not attainable. It's, it's not attainable. And I think it's it puts a lot of stress and pressure on the youth to be this perfect person that really doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, I agree. And speaking of social media, it's amazing now how many people have like screen-free week in their house or screen-free month. And I can't, you know, growing up, we didn't have access to all this. We didn't have any of that. I'm aging myself, but we had television and that was it. And kids now, it seems that they always have something in their hand and schools are giving out, you know, laptops and iPads and everyone has to always be plugged into something mm-hmm. instead of playing outside, climbing trees and playing in the dirt um, and just being kids. Exactly. There's a lot of pressure, even for, you know, like the younger they are, get them into more programs and let them teach and learn instead of letting them play and realizing that play is learning. I think that um, there's a lot of pressure on children, and it it comes it stems from everyone. It does, and and the whole and social media puts a lot of pressure on kids to be on on their social media platforms as well. You know, there's a big push for getting as many likes as possible, and you know, to make sure you opened up all your Snapchats and and responded. And it's just it can be overwhelming, even as a as an adult. And I'm not on social media as much, but certainly there's always that. Well, I wasn't on. Facebook today. So I didn't, you know, respond to all these, or I didn't see these things. So I think it's something that is everyone experiences, but the youth where they're constantly on devices for learning as well as socially, it's just, and I think it also creates a little bit of isolation as well. You know, the normal social interaction, normal way to talk to one another and, and gather is so different when you're hiding behind a device. Right, especially that. And then when they are in person, now right now they're behind a mask, right? Exactly. So they're, they are missing that, I think. And I think um, you mentioned about the likes and, and kids now, they're looking at, at their posts and how many people are commenting and liking. And it's just another layer of pressure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I can't see it being a good thing. And I, I think a lot of, um, like you mentioned, your group does offers help for mental, mental health issues. I have to imagine it's a growing area, the social media stress 
It really is. We, our organization funds a counselor in the high school through Alexian Brothers. And she sees, you know, so many different students coming in for a lot of it is anxiety and depression. And even to the point of, you know, issues with cutting and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's a serious thing. And, and uh, we're glad that we were able to do a little bit even toward helping the problem. But it definitely is something that's even getting harder with all the Zooming and all the e-learning too. I think once the kids are able to get back together and gather again and be in person with the teachers, I think that will help take some of that screen time down. Yeah, and you know, just not being with their friends. I mean, kids are, we're social by nature Mm -hmm. and kids need to be with each other and even to other people. I don't don't believe that kids need to be with just people of their age, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, be able to have conversations with people of younger, older adults, et cetera. But with everyone doing everything online right now, they're missing that whole um, experience. They are. They are. And, and, you know, just being able to go to a football game or a basketball game or get together with friends for birthday parties. My my 10-year-old uh, in April had to have his, a birthday party where the kids or the families drove by mm-hmm. and waved and honked. And, you know, it's just we got creative. We wanted to feel special, but it's it's different for sure. And... They want to be able to get together and play their sports. And so hopefully 2021 will bring more positive things. Oh, I'm hoping so, for sure. Um, so what uh, what advice would you give, um, or what advice do you give your children when they're dealing with their own disappointments and issues and pressures? What, what do you tell your own kids? So I always tell my kids to just keep going, work hard, never quit. And, you know, I think that if you just keep working hard, being a good person, and doing things for others that good things will happen and that to not sweat the small stuff. You know, there's, they can get so down on, you know, getting a C or, you know, missing a basketball shot or whatever. They just, I try to keep them focused on the big picture and not so much on, you know, the, the little disappointments along the way. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I have um, one child myself, he's 11. And I feel I spend a lot of time trying to teach them to be resilient mm. and to realize that, you know, failure is part of success too, right? Because mm-hmm. you learn from it. You learn so much more from failure than you, you do. do from success. Right. How you can handle it, how you can do things better and go forward. And it's difficult too with him being an only child that he, um, he like thinks he's the alpha dog, you know, mm-hmm. in the house, he's, he's it. And when he plays with friends, he has to uh, learn that he has to, you know, um, not treat, not be the leader. I mean, or he can be a leader if he wants to, but he has to be you know, with compassion and heartfelt. And it's just difficult teaching kids all these social skills that they need and, and just humanity, you know, teaching them to to not do harm to others and to, to you know, be good to people and to be good to themselves and to, um, I don't know, I can go on a tangent, I guess. And well, I it's true. <laughs> and, and I always tell my kids, you really don't know what someone's going through. You know, maybe they're acting out against you or maybe they're doing things that you don't agree with or are hurtful, but they are dealing with things that you don't understand as well. So to just try to do your best at being kind and, you know, just worry about what you're doing and do the best you can. Yeah, as adults, we have to feel that too. Like, do, do you ever find yourself driving? Maybe someone cuts you off or they're yes. in a hurry. And I'll, you know, my my gut instinct is like, oh, ah. But then my son's in the back seat and I'm like, you know, maybe this person's having a bad day. I'm just going to choose to be merciful and say, you know what, off with you, have a, you know, whatever is going on in your life, hopefully 
it, you know, it's not so bad. I mean, just right. trying to remember that everyone has their issues and problems, and we don't know. We don't know. You know, we don't know why someone's crabby in line or why someone's doing something. Exactly. And how many times are we that person? <laughs> I, I know I've cut people off for sure driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Uh, so we, we mentioned um, COVID and e-learning. How has um, the COVID affected your family in your daily life uh, regarding activities and hobbies and work? And how is e-learning working in your home? So, you know, certainly at the very beginning when this all kind of shut down, it was it was very it was very scary. I, I was very scared of what would happen. I, I didn't know really how to protect my family. And so we just tried to, you know, really slow it down and focus on just our little family, our immediate family, and try, you know, try to reach out to extended families as best we can and but keeping everyone safe. But as we've kind of gone through all of this, um, and the e learning has continued and you know we've just I've just tried to be a good support system to help my kids with as much as I can um, my youngest I actually had to put in school to a, a private school because he really needed to be in school where my other two were our e-learning and and being successful at that so you kind of have to look at each kid differently and figure out what they need and what how they learn and you know different strategies and get creative. Yeah, absolutely. Education is not one size fits all. Every child is different. And what program works for one child is definitely not going to work for every other child. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I think is, um, people maybe are realizing that more. Now. I think so. And I think it's, I, I mean, I think that I feel fortunate that I can, you know, be flexible with my schedule, that I can help them as much as I can. I just, I really feel for a lot of the families that are trying to juggle so many different things and, and their kids are home and they have to, you know, do, they have to go to work or they have, you know, all kinds of different struggles. So I think if everyone just keeps going and we just keep persevering, that hopefully we come out the other side and... Modeling the resiliency that we want our children I to have, I love that word, right? resilience. <laughs> resilience is, is key. Yeah, it, it, it's important. Um, but as you were saying, yeah, to, to have these kids uh, try the different things and have you know, and maybe take pressure off them and realize that it's okay if this isn't working for you. We're going to find something that does work. You know, people were thrown into this. Families weren't right. expecting it. And you have parents where if you had two parents working and all of a sudden one has to be home, well, they're both home for the most part. Mm -hmm. But then you have someone who's now trying to work from home and teach their kids and still be the mom. I mean, mommy's, mommy is hard, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Hardest you're, you're, job. you're keeping your family alive. You're keeping your kids fed clothed, you're taking care of everything at the house, you have your own, whether it's a job or, you know, your charity work or whatever, and then you're, you know, trying now to teach your kids. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And no one was trained for that. Like unless you, unless you were doing it by choice, like a, as a homeschooler, you're not ready for that. It's a lot. God bless them. Teachers are amazing. I, I, I could not teach. I, it's just such a gift. And I commend all of them for what they're doing. They're being creative as well. I mean, they have to some are in the classroom teaching on Zoom. Others are, you know, at home. It's just, it's, it's been a very interesting time. But I think overall, most people have really risen to the occasion and done their best. I think we're learning a lot about ourselves mm -hmm. in this time. Definitely. And I think it's learning about getting back to the basics. I mean, during the, the true shutdown, we really just were playing board games and, you know, constantly cooking from home. I don't think I've had as many dinners at the kitchen table with my entire family ever because we're always running from this activity to that activity. And it got back to the basics where my, my boys were just playing outside and, and we were doing things that, you know, were just being with family. And it, so I think it was a good 
pause button. And I think it's making us, as you said, more resilient to to conflicts and, and things we have to overcome. Yeah, I think that um, I think there's probably a lot of pushback from kids in the beginning, more so than now, and they're getting not so much just used to it, but maybe they're enjoying it now. Mm-hmm. They're enjoying more time being at home with their families and just staying in their own little space or in like their yard or their area, their neighborhood versus right. running around all the time. Absolutely. And I have to imagine just less stress on them not being in all the activities. Some people, their kids are in multiple, multiple right. activities. And, you know, that, that works for their family. That's wonderful. But I think without that now, maybe they're seeing like, oh, we can breathe a little better mm-hmm. and we can connect better. Absolutely. I think it's it's making people refocus their priorities, yeah. which I think is maybe is very needed. Family. I know it's done that for us. Yeah, that's great. I mean, family first. And uh, it's, it's important. And, and sadly, that gets pushed to the side. But right now it's back front and center. So um, pre-COVID, what would have been a typical weekend at your home? Like Tom gets so, off work, mm-hmm. or Tom's your husband. Tom's my husband, okay. yep. So he gets off work, and then what would you guys do? So our weekends, typically pre-COVID, were really focused around our kids' activities. We would be probably running to three different tournaments, whether we're doing, my daughter's a, a competitive tennis player. She travels around the country to play tennis tournaments. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, she's, she's got big goals and, and wants to play in college, Division One. So she, she competes all over. So we were constantly traveling to tournaments for her to, to continue to compete. My um, middle guy is a basketball player, so we were traveling to do that. And my youngest is a wrestler. And so we were really just divide and conquer, Tom and I really, do all the sports. So it's actually been a little nicer to have us home more and maybe there might be one tournament, but we can pick and choose and it doesn't have to be such a rat race. So that's typically our weekends. It It was all about the kids. We're kind of in that busy phase right now. Yeah. And think some things have reopened, some that closed down again. What does your weekend look like now? So the tennis continues to, to uh, be open because she plays singles. They can social di- socially yeah. distance. Is there still any traveling at all for that? So we have chosen to stay within the Midwest. So everywhere I can take her in a car so that we're not flying or anything like that. But um, it's still quite quite some travel. I mean, I just was in two weeks ago in Evansville, Indiana, which is basically almost in Kentucky. So it was about almost seven hour drive. So it was a commitment. But, you know, I just get such joy out of watching my kids play their sports that they love. So for me, it's not really a, a, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So I hear you. You know, it's, does your son play any sports? Um, Well, he was in karate. Oh, (laughs) nice. But that's, you know, the kibosh on that for now. But it's just when you, you're devoting, like he he was doing robotics. He's very, um, he likes, he's engineering. Oh, great. So anything that he can build, um, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, computer engineering, that's what he wants to do. So he was in like a 4-H robotics club. And then he was um, taking some classes and doing different things, different places I was taking him to. And, you know, it's a, like the robotics, for instance, was out in Woodstock. So I oh. would, you know, at night, it was dark and cold in winter, but we would make the drive out there. He, I'd sit in the lobby for three hours during his class, and then that hour drive home, and I'm getting home late, and my husband's like, you know, honey, is it worth it? Yeah, it really is, because, you know, our son's having a great time. He's learning, and this is what we do. I signed up for this. Yep. This is what I wanted. Absolutely. I drive, most my kids' activities are on the North Shore, mostly. So I drive up and down 22 every day and multiple times sometimes. So I, I hear you. It's what we signed up to do and we want to give them the best opportunity that, that we can. And I think that's fantastic. What a great, what a great 
job that he will have. I mean, that that's a up and coming field. Yeah. Well, so that's wonderful. Yeah. I, I don't know. But, but I, um, the idea of just doing everything for your kids, I mean, you can do everything for your kids, but still do things for yourself and yes. your family. It's not like you're losing yourself. You're not, your only title is not just mom. To me, it's my most important title. Yes. But I'm also wife, friend, and, you know, I mean, you have, we, you know, we wear a lot of hats, right? Absolutely. But it's not, um, it's not a sacrifice that we're not happy to make. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's a joy. Uh, so, in everything that you're telling me, you're trying to find balance in your personal life, your professional life. Um, being an arbitrator, an attorney, and a mediator, um, what does that look like for you? Are you are you currently working, or is that more that you're devoting towards the charity? Like, what are you doing with that? So I always keep my legal license active because it's you know something that I'm very proud of and that I just have such a huge passion for. Yeah, it's so, a big accomplishment. Uh, yes, it is, and I was and I always keep it active so that um, you know when the time is right for me to dip my feet back into practicing law on a regular basis, I will be able to do so. So being an arbitrator, I can uh, sit on a panel of with a, two other attorneys and be able to have flexibility. So that's something that I do um, uh, like more like on a monthly basis so that I can keep my license active and suit up and feel, you know, back like I'm somewhat back in a courtroom. Um, but most of my efforts really are toward the charity. As I mentioned, we don't have any employees. So, you know, we don't have a, a anybody that does the fundraising or the accounting or the um, volunteer aspects. That's all me. So I, um, I manage everything from A to Z for the charity. So it really is a full-time job that um, that I love to do. I always say I'm the uh, busiest person that works and doesn't get paid. <laughs> but I I do. I love it. And, um, you know, it's, it's quite a, a quite a job. I mean, it, it really is. And so um, that keeps me pretty busy. And so as far as what the future holds with with getting back into law, I do have some aspirations to get the kids kind of where they need to be and, and get back out there, whether it's practicing or um, in a private setting or or you know, for the for the state. It just depends on uh, kind of where my path leads. Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you find yourself being the arbitrator in your family then with your kids and, and their squabbles? Absolutely. <laughs> I think I, I'll tell you the, the skills that you're taught as a mediator and an arbitrator are very helpful come in, in <laughs> being a mom. Um, definitely. And it's all about, you know, hearing what they have to say, acknowledging how they feel, and then hopefully coming to a resolution that is agreeable to all parties, right? I always say a good compromise is where everyone's a little bit, a little bit mad and and not a hundred percent satisfied. That's probably the best, the best resolution. So, yeah, that would make sense. So you know, if uh, I think I try to use that with with you know, dealing with things with the kids and and teaching them um, about you know the importance of you know being able to decision make decisions and and you know do the right thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to teach my son that he has to make the good choices. That's part of being a kid, though. You're right. make oh, it, no, for sure. Right? You know, that's when you make the, the choices that are, you know, you have to learn from as well. So, right. you know, it's yeah. such a balance. I, I kind of tease him, like, not tease him, but he's like a master negotiator. You know, when he nice. um, when he wants something and, you know, it's like, no, and I explain why. Sometimes mm-hmm. I try not just be like, no, we can't do that right now. I try to give him the reasons so that he understands I'm not just being, you know, a big authority. But um, 
that I am the authority. So what I say mm-hmm. will go, but, and he knows that. But then he also comes back and wants to negotiate everything with me. And sometimes I'm like, Elijah, right now we can't negotiate. Right now this is what it has to be. But there are times that I let him I go against what I want to do because I know he's honing those skills himself. Your children have to be masters at this, I'm sure. So do they ever use it against you? Do they oh, ever... <laughs> my youngest for sure. He's a little lawyer in the making. He's he, And he comes back with facts and, and support for his arguments. And he does not want to let it go. He definitely, uh, he he has that aspiration to, to be an attorney for sure. Um, and my other two, for, I mean, when they're passionate about something, they certainly bring it up and, and have their support for why they want to at least have the discussion as a family. You know, even even uh, something as silly as where we're going to go on a family vacation, we have quite the the discussion on where we should go and why and, and all the things we can be doing. And so it, we definitely, uh, we all get together and, and, you know, talk about things at length. Who usually makes... Um... Who usually comes up with the idea? Like who picks for you? Like you said, everyone talks about it. Does one of you, one person in your family, usually win or have usually a- win? Yeah, that's funny. I, you know what? Probably my youngest because he is he just is such a talker. He doesn't stop talking, so he just talks to you to death. And finally, we all just throw our arms up and say, "Fine." Oh my gosh! But yeah. no, we we always <laughs> like to try to try new places when we vacation. And so we like to ski, we like sun, you know, be on the beach too. So we kind of try, we, we would love to travel abroad, but certainly that's not really an option right now. But um, hopefully but again someday. I hope so. I hope so. I think you learn so much from traveling. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. We, we, we like to travel, but we usually just do road trips. Oh, my nice. husband, my husband, um, he spent time, he traveled the world. He went around the world on this trip, this Apple vacations trip where if he kept going in the same direction, like it was a really great deal. And he sold his Harley and he had his money and him and his two best friends had like taken this trip. And they, it was, I think like four months Wow. they were abroad and he could do it. He wasn't married. He didn't have all this. And so or all this, like me, yeah. <laughs> he didn't have all this. He, yeah. But now, now that, you know, we've been married for almost 25 years and we have an 11 year old, our traveling is always in the U.S. Like we went to Alaska, but otherwise we're like in the contingent. We're down in the 48 and that's really all we go or we like Canada or something, but it's always um, a camping trip or something. And I have aspirations to want to go places and he's been to all these places already. And it's like, well, you know, I know you hate flying. You've done that, but I haven't. And, right. you know, I want to do that. But. And experience it with his family is going to be a very big difference than his buddy. Yeah. But what a great experience. I'm very jealous that he took that time <laughs> to travel. That's it's something I definitely want to do in the future. I just, I want to visit every place and experience their culture. And I, I just, it's definitely something that I love traveling. So that's, and my husband and I didn't really get to travel much when we first were married or anything. We we're just really busy with our careers and all of that and then had kids. So down the road, that's definitely on the checklist to, to travel more together. Yeah, where do you want to go? If you could pick only one place, like oh, where would you want to go? Gosh, there's so many places. I'd like to go to Switzerland. I would love to ski there. And my husband has skied there, but I haven't. And I would love to, I would love to experience that. That's just, there was something that was kind of on our list Mm -hmm. more recently, but there's so many places in the world that I would love to see. I I don't, it's just too many. How about you? You know, 
I, there's some places that I think would be beautiful to see just because they're beautiful, like Italy or Greece. Right. And, but um, I really re- like to go to um, the UK. I would love to go tour Downton Abbey. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that show. Yes. But I want to do the um, the Beatles tour. Oh. And my husband took that tour. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I, like, I've heard of you it, go to Abbey Ro- Like the Abbey Road, the studio, Apple Studios, and okay. the rooftop. You can see all this area. And uh, my husband did that, and my son wants to do that too. So that's kind of what I'm hoping that we as a family can go back and do my husband um when he did this like um like they went to the cavern they went to all these places that the beatles played at and um that would be just really cool we're a beatles fan family okay i wondered and, about that yeah <laughs> and so i think that would just be i think that'd be really cool to see and to just see some of the um there's so much history there right you know and i think it would be just a lot of fun but i don't know where we're going to go my my goal was um in life to hit uh, all 50 states by age 50. Okay. And I don't know if I'll ever get to Hawaii now because of the shutdown and everything or to get there before I turn 50. Uh, well, so you, I don't have that much time left. Oh, well, <laughs> put it on your list. You never know. Yeah, it is. But it's going to be up to COVID. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with, with flights and, you know, that. But otherwise, um, yeah, road trips and, and camping out west and going to the mountains and stuff. I Sounds think, great. I think traveling is just a great thing in life. I it don't know. is. It is. And it, and it gives your kids, you know, things to write about and talk about when they're doing things in school. They can, they remember these moments. And it's just really cool when you read something they wrote in school and you go, wow, you really got a lot out of that experience that we did. Yeah, so they can appreciate. Absolutely. Right? Appreciate. And appreciate what they don't have, too. They can get used to roughing it or seeing, not having the luxuries of home. Right, like I tell my son, anytime you travel, you go anywhere. There's nothing better than getting home. Oh, absolutely. Right, you appreciate home when you've been away. You do everything from having like a clean bathroom, your own bed, your refrigerator instead of a, everything you need. Like every, your necessities are there. And you know, my son will come home and say hi to all his stuffed animals, Aww. or you know, like or you know, you just you appreciate being home. Absolutely, I'm a homebody for sure. So I, I love being home. I love to go away. I love to come home. Yeah. And coming home, though, I mean, it's it's fun to look forward to going away. But then, and then when you know you're coming home, you're kind of sad, right? You're kind of like, oh, trip's almost over. But then when you're almost home or you get home, you're like, oh, God, there's no place like home. Absolutely. Right? That's why it's nice to have a list of places you're going to go so you have things to look forward to. You're, so you come home, you enjoy home, then you say, okay, oh, okay, I have this to look forward to, their next trip. Yeah, for sure. And you can start planning. And, and I always plan. I like drop seeds years in advance of like where we want to go. Because if I don't, we won't go. And my husband's like, honey, it's so much money. And I'm like, honey, dreaming's free. Yeah. And oh, if we I don't like if we don't start planning now, it's never going to happen. Absolutely. You we know? have to go make your list when you get home. Absolutely. And then I get my my son involved. I kind of, okay, hey, wouldn't it be fun to go here? Let's look at, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going from the mic. Wouldn't it be fun to go here? Let's look into this. And then I get him in, in, in my husband's ear too. And then... Then it's two against one. Yeah. Isn't it like, wasn't it from a big fat Greek wedding that the man's the head of the house, but the woman's the neck? Yes, the neck. she can turn. Yes. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of, it's pretty true. Pretty true. You know, as long as you don't, don't abuse that power, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. So uh, I want to talk about uh, who inspired you to, um, per- per- personally, professionally, and as a philanthropist, who in your life has inspired you? So probably um, as a just as a young girl and just my whole persona has really been inspired by my mom and my grandma. They are just uh, just amazing. My grandma has passed, but amazing, amazing woman. Both of them very hardworking, very about their family, and very kind. And always taught me that 
you know, if we don't have a lot, we have more than others and you need to pay it forward. You need to help others always. So I, I've really lived that in my life because of them. And so they've been very inspirational for me just all around. Um, I've also been very fortunate to have uh, some amazing coaches and, uh, and teachers through my life too. Um, my basketball coach, I was a big basketball player growing up, and my basketball coach was very inspirational for me. He, um, he was just a, like a second father for me, really, and um, just taught me about hard work and sacrifice and um, just, just the love of sports. So, um, so he was very inspirational. And then just in law school, just my, um, I was on a trial advocacy team and my coaches who were uh, attorneys and state's attorneys and tri uh, U.S. attorneys taught me really about the law and how to try cases, how to present evidence and how to present myself in general. And we traveled all over the country uh, on in law school for our trial ad team and competed against all different law schools and different cases, civil and criminal and defense and plaintiff or prosecution. And it was just an awesome experience. And so they really taught me a lot about the law and, and about um, public speaking and, and all those kinds of things. So, but philanthropy would really just really comes from my heart and from my, my family and what they've instilled in me, my faith and my family about, you know, the, the need to help other people and to think about what other people are going through and to do whatever you can to help. Yeah, that's that's great. I think having a having a servant's heart and trying to just help those in need, you know, it, it you're helping yourself as well. You're helping everybody. It definitely feels good when you are able to help others. Yeah, for sure. Do your children, are they involved in anything like that as well? It's interesting you asked my daughter, uh, actually, uh, she's 15. She started her own foundation last year. Um, it's called, her name's Madeline Grace Hills, and she uh, her foundation's MGH Foundation. And so MGH for Madeline Grace Hills and also for Making Good Happen. So she started her own foundation, and last year she, she wanted to pair her tennis her love of tennis, her gift of tennis with helping others. So she paired with a tennis facility in Chicago. It's called Access Tennis Foundation. And they are in the south side of Chicago. And so she paired with them and they, uh, they she provided all the meals for families in need in Chicago in the Chicago Housing Authority. So last year we packed those and delivered those. And this year she's going to do it again, actually, um, on the day before Christmas Eve. Wow, that's really wonderful. And how old is she? She's 15. 15. So, and she, it was her idea, her, um, all her work. And I just helped her connect so she could purchase the food and things like that. So I, you know, sometimes you think your kids aren't watching what you're doing. Oh, they see but everything. But they're watching. And they hear everything. And they hear everything. And my boys come and, and help as well. And, and they're very interested. They say, mom, I want to do something like this. And I, I know we will, we will, we'll do one thing at a time. There's only so many hours in the day, but I like that they ask and I like that they want to help others. And so it's, um, so it definitely, that really makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm not just helping others in the community. I'm, I'm helping my kids be better people. Sure. You're saying you're, you're, we're raising the next generation. We're raising yes. these people who are our future leaders. Yes. You know, and that's amazing. Um, your daughter, is there a website or something or can um, people help and donate to her? Absolutely. Um, How so do they do that? Her website is uh, just uh, www.mghfoundation.com or 
.com or .org. I got to check. Um, but if you just Google it, and she's on social media as well. Uh, but I would love to um, have people follow it and also donate if they can. Yeah, or for sure. Come and volunteer. It's called what again? MGH Foundation. Okay. Yeah. So everyone listening, I'm sure, yes. will check that out. Um, it's funny that you mentioned. It's funny that you mentioned that she started this when I was a kid. We had um, my my friends lived in an apartment building. I, I grew up in the Solar Park area, and they lived in an apartment. And I would go over to play at their house at their at their well, we call it you know going to their house. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided to start um, a club, and we started. We called it the Spectrum Air Pollution Club, oh. and we were going to try to clean up the neighborhood. And we took all the kids in the like in the um, apartment and we had them all give us money for dues. Now we were all like fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So we collected probably like $2.50 between all of us. And we're like, we're going to get t-shirts and we're going to go out and do all this stuff. And uh, all we did is go buy candy. Oh and, no. <laughs> and then we had like a first meeting where we all ate this candy. And then that was like the last. And I remember uh, my one friend was like telling this other kid, like, go get more money, go get more money. And his m- mother was smart to not give us more money. Because all we were doing again was candy. candy. (laughs) But I think it's great that your kids actually have leadership who is going to teach them how to execute. You can have the plan, but you have to execute that plan. Absolutely. No, I was was very impressed. And I'm glad that she's pairing something that her gift. I I truly think she has a, a gift, a talent for something. And I wanted her to use it for bigger things and not just playing tennis. So she rallied the tennis community to all come and volunteer. So it's it's awesome and I'm proud of her and she's helping some of the neediest families. So I um I'm really excited for for that. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. It is. That's, that's, you must be so proud. I am so proud. That's great. And um I want to know if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 15 like your daughter's 15? What would you give yourself, 15-year-old Darby? So it's so interesting when when I when I hear that question, I think immediately I have a 15-year-old daughter and I and, and when I see her, I think back to being 15, it feels like it was yesterday, right? Well, um, you still look like oh, you I don't aren't know about too that. far away uh, from that. No, no. <laughs> Gosh, being a parent wears on you, right? Um, but I guess I would tell my 15-year-old self that when someone tells you that you can't, to tell yourself you can. Throughout life, people have always told me, even as a young girl, oh, you can't do that. You won't be able to do that. You won't be able to be a lawyer. You, why would you want to do that? Or, or different things. You won't be able to start that, a non-for-profit. That's too much work or, or all different, different things. And so I think I just keep reminding my own 15-year-old daughter that, you know, just keep telling yourself you can and you will. And um, also that the world is, a much, is much bigger than you think. So it's invaluable to realize that you don't know how much you don't know. You know that we should always remain curious and learning. And there's a lot of things we just don't even know because we haven't really looked into it. So to always ask questions and constantly be learning. I always, I'm learning every day. And I think it's so important to constantly be learning and understanding what, what's going on in the world, what's going on in the future and what's going on with people. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a good example, even for your children, to let them know that you're still learning and that we admit we don't know as parents, we don't know everything. Absolutely. And we make mistakes and we have to improve and, and go out there and try new things. I think you're right. You know, I know, I, I one time I had said something to my daughter, well, I just, I messed that up. And, and she's, she just said that that was so nice to hear because they think we're, they, we're perfect. 
you know, they, we, you know, we, they think everything we do is perfect and we're not, we're, we're flawed. We're all learning. We're all making mistakes and learning from them. And so it's good for kids to know that, that we're not these perfect beings. We're a work in progress as well. And we've learned a lot just growing, right? As, as people, it took us a long time to get even where we're at now. Absolutely. And that we can show them by example that we can try things that we're not comfortable with and we can go like this podcast, for example. Right. You know, I was explaining to you that when Anthony approached me, I had said to Anthony, I don't know that I have the voice for it. You know, I have a list. I talk fast. I know I don't have this great sound. And, and his reply was that I, I don't sound offensive. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we'll go from there. I mean, he said a little more, but, you know, I, I was nervous about it. And um, I told my son I was nervous and my husband and they're like, no, you'll do great. And I'm happy to try it because... You, you only, you definitely fail what you don't try, right? But if yep. you try it and, you know, at least I'm showing my son as an example that I can do this. I can try it and we'll and see what happens. And you can put yourself out there and you can be vulnerable. And, Absolutely. And now, look at now you, you're great. You oh. <laughs> get, you've got one under your belt almost. Yeah. And, you know, you just, you had success and now you, you know, you know you can do it. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm hoping that you're having a good time. It's great having Absolutely. you here. Um, we, too bad we don't have cocktails. Next time we're going to have to have cocktails. See that? Yeah, <laughs> we can record. Uh, yeah, like bring in uh, Jules just over there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm a I'm a late harvester Riesling girl. What do you like to drink? So my drink actually is tequila. Really? I know. Tequila. Tequila, <laughs> as as it probably was more in college, right? But uh, but yeah, I don't know. My husband turned me on to tequila because it's. Um, it's just like a smooth drink and, you know, you, you sip it and uh, it's it doesn't have, uh, it's they say it's the only upper. So there's not, it doesn't make you so tired and whatnot. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I drank uh, strictly beer until I turned 40. Oh my gosh. And I took a long time when I didn't drink anything. Um, like I drank too much in my 20s. Yeah. I was very, didn't drink much in my 30s. Then I turned 40 and I decided I want to learn about wine. I grew up hating wine um, because of a like childhood memories of smelling wine on somebody. Just it was like ugh, disgusting yes. to me. And then I decided I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to like stop hating it and see what everyone. What, what's the fuss all about? Right. So I took uh, some classes on it. Oh wow! And actually, a bunch of DVDs from the library. Actually, the Burlington Library mm -hmm. has like how to take um, wine tasting classes and stuff. And I started going to wine tastings, and I decided I really like wine. And I, I don't drink it often. I'm more of a collector. I have quite the collection. Very now, neat. Not like an impressive collection, just a collection of wines I like from maybe um, a winery in Michigan or Wisconsin or, you know, something like that. And I don't drink it a whole lot because my husband doesn't drink wine. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to drink a whole bottle. Right. So I need girlfriends to come over yeah, like, so and drink. Exactly. I know. I need to, now, what's your favorite? You know, there's um, Door 44 in Door, Door County. Oh. They have um, a wine called Sunburst. Okay. And it's not, I'm going to say it's like under $20 even, but it's um, it's really young. It's really good. Did you drink it in Door County? Is that how I you found it? I drank it out or? there at the wine tasting. And then whenever I'd go out there, um, I would bring home a bottle. Or if I have friends going out there, I'm like, hey, bring me home a bottle. And then also in Michigan, in Traverse City, which mm -hmm. you, I'm sure you've gone, right? You've gone there for, for tennis tournaments a lot. Oh, they gosh. have those there. Isn't it? Great up there. It is. Yeah, it's so great. I love it. I did the wine tour. I, my husband and my son and I um, went up there a few years ago, and I wanted to do the wine tour. 
And again, he doesn't drink. And my son at the time was probably seven or eight. And so we would go to all the places and I would just sit by myself and like do the wine tasting. And as a group of women came in, they were all like my mother's age. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm from Michigan originally. Okay. And my mother passed away. So I, I, um, I'm I, just tying in that. Here they were, my mother's age. And I, they kind of adopted me as like their daughter for the day that I was able to sit and taste wine with all these women who I didn't know, but were great and, you know, Kathleen. See, that's one and, of the nice things about, about wine and a wine tasting. And you just really, it's a very social thing. Now, have you been to Napa? I have not, but that is where I was planning on taking like my trip for this 50th birthday I'm telling oh, you about. Oh, you have to do that. I would love to, but I don't know with COVID what's going to happen. But event, so. if not, eventually, because it's so beautiful there. Yeah, I would like to. That was my original trip. And now I think it's going to end up being Traverse City. Well, that's but, okay, too. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great, too. Yeah, that's what I, what I like there, too. So, we'll so when is the big birthday? It's Well, it's coming up next year. Okay. So, as I get close to the mic to announce that next year. I, <laughs> Very seems, dramatic. You know, but I'm not a woman who's a... Um, a lot of people are, are embarrassed to talk about their age, and I'm 49, and I'll be 50 in September. And um, I think because my, my mother died at 35. Oh, and so sorry. I, thank you. So young. It, it was very, very young, yeah. And then my, my father was 56 when he died. Mm. And so um, I think when I look at, like, my mother never got to fret turning 40. You know, she didn't have that fret. And so when I look at people who are embarrassed or, like, they don't want to say their age because they're, I think, like, you don't realize that getting older is a gift. It is it, a gift. It beats the alternative. Absolutely. You know, you, I mean, I want to be an old lady to live, if I, tomorrow, turn 90, but know I lived that long, and I watched my son grow up and get married and have children, I would do it. Absolutely. Because, you know, I I don't know, I just can't imagine, I don't think my best years are behind me. Oh, no. You know, I don't, I don't think they're, it was my youth, Mm -hmm. you know, and everyone, some people have maybe a great childhood or a great history. I didn't. And I just feel that, like, these last my last 25 years with my husband have been great. The last 11 with my son have been my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see what's, you know, coming the down the road. Hopes. Yeah. And so I just, um, I look optimistic at it and I don't, I just don't hide my age and everything else. And in fact, um, it's funny that, that we're talking about that because I have a passion project uh, that I'm working on called 40 Plus and Fabulous. Okay. And I... I decided that I want to shoot since I'll be turning fifty in September okay. of next year. Maybe we'll have some wine and celebrate. Yes, I, I, um, I got to get that wine from Door County. <laughs> we'll do that. I hope you can get it online. Otherwise, I have a long trip ahead. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can. Um, but I wanted to photograph uh, forty-nine women um, from my fortieth birthday into my. Or, I'm sorry, my forty-ninth to fiftieth, so in one year. And I wanted to find out what to them is fabulous. And then the fiftieth person photographed would be myself. Oh, I love so, that. So um, that is how that's how this plan worked out. But COVID shutdowns and everything changes, and there's so much. And I, I have a lot of things I'm trying to work on, and it's hard to focus. I want to just get this project done. I have this project. I have these jobs, and I'm doing all this. And so maybe I'm letting myself get too distracted too. But then with the shutdown, this happens. I just feel it's hard. It's it's hard for me to find balance and and get everything in in order. Yeah, how do you do that? How do you how do you manage how do I all that? Find I'm hoping you have the secret. Yeah, because of my age, I have this wisdom. <laughs> um, you know, I I think you have to just be able to let things go and say, you know, I tried and it didn't work, and I'm already going to forget. I'm not going to dwell on it, right? Because right. we can beat ourselves up. We're our own worst enemy. Absolutely, the hardest critic. We really are, and I think no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from. We put this pressure on ourselves, and you have to sometimes let things go mm-hmm. and say, you know what, I tried, and I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it. 
Absolutely. You know, it's not it's not worth it. And you look at what is important, you know, your health, you, your, your family and, and these things. So if I have to let something go, you know, um, then I do. In this project, I haven't been able to put a lot of time into it, but it's my idea that I've been working on and thinking of it and planning it out. And part of what it is um, with the 40 plus and fabulous, it's how these women describe fabulous. And to some people, you know, like I, I love um, I love a Friday night movie night with my son. Um, every Friday we watch, uh, he picks a movie usually, unless I have to override it because it's something I just can't tolerate, right. you know. Um, and, and we'll snuggle up together and we'll eat popcorn. And our drink of choice is some kombucha. And like that's our big splurge. And we'll do that every Friday night. And, uh, you know, I feel fabulous when I have an awesome portrait session, when I deliver someone's order to them, when when the client is, is seeing their photos for the first time and getting emotional. And, you know, when so like professionally, I feel fabulous for that. And then with my family, you know, my son, like you said, um, and being that we're a family of three, we do these road trips I told you about, like fabulous to me is, you know, our, like our favorite meal is eating um a sandwich in the back of a tailgate, looking at you know the Tetons or Glacier Mountain, you know, just being out there in nature and like that to me is fabulous. But to some people, it might be you know a fantastic gala or going out with the girls or doing this or whatever. So, what's your fabulous? I'm leading up to what's your fabulous? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I probably a lot of people would think that my fabulous would be being all dressed up and and feeling fabulous about you know all of these you know this pretty dress or this this event but really my fabulous is is much more low-key very uh very relaxed i really love i I come back to skiing a lot our family always goes skiing Uh, we actually aren't going this over new year's this time for the first time we're going to go to florida get a little sunshine but we will ski um going into 2021 but i feel fabulous when i'm with my family on a ski trip and we're in our long underwear and we're sitting we had a great day of skiing being outside fresh air spending time we're in by the fire just you know playing a board game or just talking and it's just kind of relaxed casual warm cozy that's really my fabulous that's where i i feel so just lit up inside and that's why i don't know if it's skiing or if it's just the bonding time and being cold and you're all kind of nestled together or what it is but it just feels really fabulous yeah and reminiscing about the day and who fell and who did who this fell, and all it's usually that, me because <laughs> <laughs> they're too good i don't even ski with them much anymore they just take off because they're all so good and my husband is a great skier and when we first met he always said i have this one thing this one thing i have to do i have to ski every year because i just love it it just makes me so happy so I learned to ski when I met my husband. So you can imagine I'm not that great of a skier, but and but I, I learned because he loved it so much. And so then we learned to love it together. And then as kids, having kids, they loved it so much. So I think it's just that everyone was so happy when they were skiing and when we were doing this, that it just became my kind of happy place. So I, that's really my fabulous. And, I, and I'm looking forward to ours in 2021 for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And it does, again, comes down to family. Comes down to family, exactly. And quality time. And it doesn't really have to have anything exciting. You know, it's just really about being together. Right. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Uh, so how long have you been married? So we have been married 17 years. Wow. Yeah. And so it'll be 18 in June. So yeah, June 21st, first day of summer, longest day of the year. They always say the most sunshine. But um, but yeah, it's been a... It's been a great journey. He's a great life partner and, you know, great friend and on top of it. So it's, you know, you're 
your person that you found. It's, it's, I'm lucky to have found him. Yeah, that's that's great. I had um, read about you that you met in a health club on treadmills or something. Funny or? story, right? It, it's it's ironic that we met working out because we love to work out and we we still well, it work shows. out. Look at you. Oh, oh my I don't gosh! Know. I've been you know the holiday time. We kind of start to <laughs> we start eating all those cookies, but no, we love to work out together even now. And our family's very active like that, so it is a kind of ironic. But but yeah, I was um, studying for the bar, and so I was, certainly wasn't looking to get involved with anybody because I was very focused, you know, on passing the bar exam so I wouldn't lose my job and uh, contingent on passing the bar exam. So, um, and I was, uh, we just were at a health club summer on a Sunday. So who would be, you know, at a health club inside in the summertime? But my husband was there, I was there and and, uh, I was, he came over, um, I was running on a treadmill and I was listening to my torts law with the big headphones on and I was constantly listening. I thought that maybe if I listened to it, even in my sleep, it would just seep in. Right, exactly. And so um, I finally took my headphones off and he came and started running right next to me. And it was kind of one of those things where, you know, there's 50 treadmills and it's like when someone parks next to you and there's like a ton of parking spots, why are you right on me? (laughs) So then uh, he, he kind of had some, you know, funny little lines. He was trying to make conversation. You know, he asked me if I'd been to any Cubs games. And I said, no, I've been, I'm studying for the bar exam. I've been very busy and asked me what time it was and the clock was right there. And so, but I, I was kind of like thinking, oh no, this guy's going to try to talk to me. And, <laughs> but then, you know, he smiled and it, and it was just such a genuine smile that I said, oh, so I let my guard down a little bit and we started talking and, and then, you know, we we're walking for a while on the treadmill. And then he said, um, we realized that we grew up, you know, I grew up in Cary. Oh, he grew really? up in okay. Barrington. So we um, didn't know one another, but we, you know, we had similar. Because uh, you were in the city. So we, yeah, we had, were in Chicago okay. when we met. Yep. And so it was just, oh, I know where Cary is. That's the next town over. And so anyway, um, then he asked if he could get my phone number. And I thought, oh, if he's, you know, this weirdo. And then I have to change my phone number. So I gave him my email. And my email was my law school email. And it was quite long. And I, he didn't write it down. And he, when, he, when he left, I thought, oh, maybe I should have given him my phone number. But whatever. And so then he didn't call me right away. He, wait, he waited a, a week. I don't know who he consulted, but he, uh, he waited. And so, um, but then we started just slowly getting together because I was so busy. And then... Um, took the bar exam, passed, yay, and then went off to um, Europe to travel with my two childhood friends. So, wow. um, so I see you did travel. So I did a little you bit, just, some. you know, did, you know, France and, and, um, and uh, Italy and, and, and England. So yes, there's still so many places to see, but no, I had a great time with them. And, you know, and then my friends were kind of wanting to see this guy who was going to pick me up at the airport and they're like, who's this guy that she's interested in? So it was, it was funny, but no, he, uh, it was a good story. And he kept the email years and years later, he gave it to me. It was in like a little folder and said, here's the email correspondence we had when we first, you know, started dating and, and whatnot. So it was kind of funny. So I have that framed. It's, That's really it's a cute sweet. story. Yeah, it is a cute you story. You know, but, um, yeah, our first date we went, um, to Tavern on Rush and sat outside and and this guy was doing a, a caricature of us, you know, and then of course he wants Tom to buy that and, and then they're selling him flowers and he's got all these things. It's just funny because they knew we were on a first date so they were going to take advantage of him. But Do you have the caricature I have the caricature. So it's just, it's funny to have all these things you think it's, you know, silly at the time but then you cherish it later in life that you have those 
you know, memories. So, yeah. yeah. You know, after 17 years, like you can look back and you you can almost forget like now, like all the good times and good things you've done, right? It's but true. then when you really start talking and thinking and looking about it and looking back, it's it's fun to see that, it's fun to see your history. It is, it is. And it's fun to see your your spouse in your kids too, right? I'm sure you probably see traits of your of your husband and your son. And it's just kind of neat to see my kids have different traits of, of both of us. And it's, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to see. Yeah, it really is. See, I could, I could end right there because what you said, it's perfect. It, it really is, you know, seeing how your family is and it, it all comes down to that. Um, but I did want to um, confess something to you before we move on. Sure. Um, and it circles back to your wardrobe. Okay. So it seems like in every issue of the Barrington magazines, I see a photo of you and Tom where you were attending a fundraiser or a gala and you're both dressed to the nines and you look amazing. And I once saw you in Trader Joe's. Oh. Uh, I was in there shopping and I saw you over um, in a, like by the, like the um, produce or the dairy yeah. area or whatever. And I remember seeing you in some beautiful dress and high heels. And I remember looking, thinking, this woman is always, like, she's always on. She's oh, always, gosh, no. no, like, she always <laughs> looks great. And so I'm wondering, like, um, do you even own, like, sweatpants and T-shirts or yoga pants? Do you, do you oh, at home, are gosh. you chill out like that? Are you? <laughs> you caught me on a good day in Trader Joe's, I swear, because most of the time I would definitely be in yoga pants or something of the sort, for sure. In fact, I call it my uniform. I have like so many leggings and things. That's what I, I do. I live in that. So you caught me on a good day. I must have been going to or from somewhere. Must but have been. Yes. No, I definitely, I, I'm definitely more casual than, than probably what, what you have seen. Those are just good days I had. <laughs> but I definitely, um, I love, you know, being comfortable. So um, I definitely am in the uh, the yoga pants and the sweatshirts for sure. Gotcha. And it's fun to dress up too. I mean, it definitely. Is. But um, Especially yeah. since COVID, I think I've gotten even more casual, haven't we all? Yeah, I, I hear mean, you. It's like my daughter introduced me to this, she calls it a Sherpa. I don't know if you have, it's like, it's basically like a jacket that's feels like a blanket. Mm. It's like you're just in or a robe and it's it's big and I just, I'm, you know, you're cold and you just put yeah. it on and it's just so comfy and I've been gifting it to a lot of people because it's it's so wonderful. Yeah. So well. yeah, so that's my more, my uniform <laughs> these days. Well, and we're sponsored by the Sherpa <laughs> blanket the, today. Yeah, exactly. I better get some kickbacks. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. But you know, um, your husband too though, his 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 wardrobe, his style is so original and funky, and I love it. And actually, um, I was mentioning to Anthony, our producer today, about even in this picture here that we have of Tom the plaid. Like I, I like his style, and I wonder, is that all him, or do you have a hand in there? Oh, you're so. I wish I did, honestly, because I would love to take credit for his awesome style. And I do agree. He has such a unique style, but no, that is all him. He is. I've never picked anything out for him ever. He grew up with his dad, who's also very stylish. And they, he was taught a lot of fashionable things early on. So, but he really loves fashion. He loves, um, he's very artsy. He has a artsy side that he, that he doesn't really show, I think. And so he loves putting things together, even with clothing, home items, you know, architecture. He really has a gift for that. So no, I mean, he loves finding things that people don't have different, you know, from different countries, like different 
clothing items or things like that. So no, that is all him. I I know he's well, well bravo. He's, I I, you know, I I agree. <laughs> he and I sometimes go. I think that you're more into fashion than I am. Yeah, who has the bigger closet or the bigger wardrobe? You know, I I think it's. I, he, I think it's a tie. I'll tell yeah. you, I, I, his shoes. I think he has a lot of shoes. So, you know, for for a guy. But and and funny thing is, my shoes matter. Shoes matter. They do. <laughs> and funny thing is, my kids are not into fashion at all. Like I, I thought, maybe my daughter would right, be. Really? You know, because just because she's, but no, not really. She's just just more into you know, just more plain and casual and. So I've tried to get her cute little items, and she just no, she's she's got her own style too. So, but I will let him know because he he will appreciate being called stylish for sure. Yeah, he definitely is. I um I actually was I've been telling Anthony that my son. I, I try to um he still lets me pick out all his clothes. Oh, he lucky. has no he has no concern about what he wears, and I'll even tell him like today just wear house clothes, so he knows like what drawer to pull out house oh. clothes. But if we leave the house, then usually I pull them out and I. I'm trying just to teach him a sense of style. And, yes. you know, he's my only. I don't have a little girl to buy, like, cute dresses and everything. And But I've always found it um, fun to find unique pieces for him. Absolutely. You know, he wears, like, fedora hats and derby hats and nice, you know, jeans, but, like, a nice sweater or a vest or something or a blazer over something. And I just try to keep him looking a little little hip. Yeah. No, it's hard <laughs> with boys, too. I mean, my boys don't really like to get dressed up. It's only when they have to go somewhere where they have to wear their, quote, fancy clothes. Mm-hmm. Right? So they otherwise they want to be in, you know, athletic attire. Yeah. I won't pretend my son enjoys dressing nicer, but he'll do it um, sometime. And, and he used to wear hats all the time as a toddler and up until probably... I don't know, he was eight or nine. And then he's like, Mom, I don't want to wear these hats anymore. I'm like, okay, but just wear it into the store or just or just wear yeah. it for this picture, wear it into the house for Thanksgiving, then you can take it off. But I don't know, I, I think it matters. And it's, I want him to not be, I don't want to make it to, him to be fake, but I want him to care about what he's dressed like, Absolutely. what he looks like. But fashion is such an individual thing. It is. And it really has to make you feel really good about yourself. And and I and it could be in so many different ways. I mean, it's everybody's so different. That's what I love about fashion. And, and I'm not as artsy. I just, that was definitely not my strength and it isn't, but I so appreciate music and art and fashion because it's just the talents of the people that come up with this is just, it really impresses me. because it, it truly is a gift. It is. And people will develop their own their own gift and their own ideas. And I just want to clarify that when he has a um, real opinion on what he wants to wear, then that is fine. But while he's still the clay letting me model him or mold him, I'm going to do what I can. Take advantage <laughs> as long as I you will. can. At some point, he won't, he won't, you know, I won't be the one picking out his clothes and I'll have to deal with that. That's I'll have to make my peace. Absolutely. Right? Um, so uh, I have had um, a really nice time getting to know you. And Same. I hope you've um, had a good time. And our listeners, I'm sure, are enjoying it, uh, getting to know a little more about you, which I have to admit, you know, you've told me some things even that I just, I wouldn't have been expecting, mm. you know, and um, seeing you in the glossy magazines you form, you have an impression, you know, and you're, um, I'm not saying like that I'm shocked. I'm saying that I'm, I'm grateful that you showed us that your family side that we don't see in a picture. Yeah. You know, talking to you, get to see who Darby really is. Oh, well, thank you and for so, the opportunity. And I, I just really enjoyed being here today and getting to know you and, and just being able to just get a little a little girl time too, right? It's yeah. Nice. It's nice to, to, yeah, sit and have a conversation. And it's nice to not be constantly interrupted either, you know, at home where you yes. have, 
you know, a hundred things going. Because even when you're working, you're still always on the clock with your family. Absolutely. Right. And then, yeah, it's been it's been tough with everyone being home all the time, but it's it is nice to get out and have a break. Um, so. Everyone who wants to um, donate to your charity can just visit BarringtonChildrensCharities.com. Absolutely. To volunteer and make a donation. And I want to offer a big thank you to everyone who tuned in to listen to the show today. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share the link with your friends and family. Let us know what you think. Darby, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you.